Eyebrow. Look at her, her lower eyebrow. Right on. Okay. I'm going to put these books right here. Oh, okay. So last week we, uh, we had Porn Sunday, National Porn Sunday, and uh, it was pretty cool to see that out of 208 people that were actually here, almost everybody knew that it was uh, Porn Sunday and they still showed up. So that's pretty exciting. Um, I, uh, I like that. I, and I want, I want to personally thank you for showing up and showing your support for those that are uh, in need of help with their addiction with pornography or possibly living with somebody that has an addiction to pornography. So uh, kudos to you for standing up and, and uh, taking a stand and allowing us to talk about pornography at church. I forgot to point out one thing last week, though, as I was uh, after the video, I forgot to, to get up and, and say this, but did you notice that uh, Craig Gross's hair uh, the pastor of Triple X Church. I finally met my match with a guy that's got crazier hair than I do. And, uh, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that, but I've actually looked at, uh, I've watched other videos with him in them and, and his hair's a lot tamer than, than it was last week. And so I think he personal, I think he like fluffed his hair up a little bit just to make it that much more, uh, crazy. And, um, and he definitely, I'm no stranger to, to crazy hair and, uh, wacky hairstyles, but, He's, he's definitely pushing the envelope. And speaking of pushing the envelope, um, we are going to continue talking about sex and the taboo of sex. And, and so I'm going to start us out. That's my task today is uh, to talk to you about the truths of sex. Um, there's a lot of power in sex. Um, all you have to do is turn on the TV or the radio and, and in movies. Uh, sex is all around us and it's being talked about. And uh, it's just, it, it's, it's everywhere. And um, my wife, she has uh, the, the season series, or not the season, but the, the whole entire series of Friends. And uh, she likes the show so much that even though we have the whole entire nine seasons, is that right, nine seasons? Ten? Ten seasons. See, I, I went back one. Ten seasons of Friends. We have every DVD of Friends there is, we still have it uh, recorded on our DVR in our bedroom. At least 20 episodes are, are on there all the time. And so we watch one or two episodes every night before we go to bed. And uh, don't judge. <laughs> Chandler's funny. And, uh, but, so we watch, we watch these episodes, but I, I never really realized how each episode, almost every single episode, has uh, them talking about sex or referring to sex. And it's really sexualized. And I never, I never really realized that. It came out when I was in high school and, you know, in that, in that period between when I, when it started and, and now, and I, I never really realized how, how common it was to, uh, to talk about sex and, uh, and how in, in TV shows, period, it's not just friends, but, uh, TV shows in, in general, how they've, uh, they're talking about premarital sex and pornography and masturbation, cheating, like it's no big thing. It's just part of everyday life. I remember being a kid and uh, being home in the summers or on a sick day or a pretend sick day. And there was, uh, there was this channel, Channel 5 out of Las Vegas. And I, I lived in Kingman, Arizona, so we were pretty close to Vegas. And uh, Channel 5 had, at 12 o'clock, the Dick Van Dyke Show. And then at 12.30 was the Andy Griffin Show. 
And then at one o'clock was I Love Lucy. And then 1.30 was Hogan's Heroes. And so these are the reruns that I got to watch as a kid. These are the, the cleaner shows that I watched as reruns. And, and now our children have Friends and Seinfeld and Two and a Half Men to grow up on. And there's a, there's a difference, a huge difference between the, the, the quality of the shows. You look at Dick Van Dyke and I Love Lucy and they're married couples. And yet they sleep in separate beds. Do you ever notice that? The twin size beds, they're not even in, you know, they probably probably put them in separate rooms just to, you know, and they wear 10 pairs of pajamas and they never, they never talked about sex. The only thing that you ever even knew that they had sex was they had children. And so it leaves you wondering, well, how did that happen? You know, because when, you know, like, I, I don't know if I could break that barrier of 10 10 pairs of pajamas on at, at any time. We, uh, we've since then, the generations that have passed, we've, we've made it commonplace for sex to be glorified. And we've been getting sex ed from anywhere and everywhere except for the Bible. What we need to know is that great and godly sex starts between the ears long before it starts between the legs. We need to get a biblical perspective on sex and no longer let the devil teach our sex ed class. Why would we want the devil to teach our sex ed class in the first place? Let's look at John chapter 8, verse 44, where it says, When he lies, and we're speaking of the devil here, he speaks out of his own character, for he is the father of all lies. Or maybe just father of lies, sorry. Don't want to paraphrase that. It says he has nothing to do with the truth. Now let's look at Jesus, same chapter, uh, but several verses before in, in verse 32. It says that while believing in him, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I don't know about you, but I want to be knowing the truth. I want to be set free. So let's look at the truth. Let's look at Adam and Eve and the origin of sin. How many know that the origin of sin was sexual? How? You're like, well, what? What are you talking about? Well, let's look at this because there's a lot of sexual lies and truths in this, uh, in this period going on. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. Read it with me. The man and his wife were what? Both naked and were not ashamed. That would be nice. Walking around, you got the man and his lady friend walking around in the buff, feeling no shame whatsoever. Eve. She uh, hasn't had any children yet, so she's got a pre-pregnancy body, right? Adam, he's a typical guy, so he wants to show off his scars. He's got a new one right here in his ribcage. He's showing that puppy off. He's proud of it. So you're asking, how is the first sin sexual? And this is the key right here, and it's on your listening guide, because Satan has easy access sexually through shame. If you think about it, Try to remember uh, your first encounter with something sexual. Maybe you were touched inappropriately. Maybe you saw something you were exposed to and that shame was involved with that. I can remember in uh, 1984 in Kingman, Arizona, going to the movie theater. I was six years old and uh, we went and saw Beverly Hills Cop. And uh, in Beverly Hills Cop, there's a scene where there's some exposed naked breasts in the movie. And I remember being six years old and I can, uh, I remember looking around to see the adults that, that noticed that I'm in this movie theater seeing this. And I remember being thrilled, woo, you know, and, uh, 
but I remember being embarrassed at the same time. And, and, uh, you think, you know, a six year old, I can, I can remember exactly where I was sitting because there was shame involved in that. A six year old doesn't need to see that. And I'm telling you as a, as almost 33, I'll be 33 in a couple weeks. It's something that's stuck in my head. I can tell you where in the movie it's at. I can tell you what I saw. And I remembered the shame. <clears throat> I remember uh, sex ed as, as a little kid. I was a, a stupid little kid. So I thought that going to sex ed, I was going to get to see naked pictures of girls. And I was wrong. Uh, don't laugh. You were too, guys. Shut up. <laughs> you thought the same thing I did. We're all stupid. So these, these black and white movies that we saw of uh, some yesteryear, you know, that just... Gee, Beaver, you know, it's like just the wrong, the wrong time period. And, and you're almost embarrassed watching the movies. We saw diagrams and drawings that didn't really do it for us. But they had to, they had to separate the boys and the girls in my sex ed class because of shame and embarrassment. They had to separate the the boys and the girls, uh, because the, the giggles that were expected would, uh, would go to finger pointing and laughing, which leads to shame. And embarrassment and crying, possibly, by the little boys. <laughs> Maybe it was uh, the sexual impurity, you, impurity that you experienced uh, with your first boyfriend, your first girlfriend. I know that I'm, I'm thankful for the shame or the embarrassment, really, of it, of, uh, of the fear of that sort of thing. I'm, I'm thankful for it because it kept me from going further than I should have when I was younger. I remember going into the, the bookstore uh, with my mom in the mall in sixth grade. And, and uh, this time we we're, we're living in Scottsdale, Arizona. And in the mall, that I don't know, I don't think they have these anymore, but Walden Bookstores is kind of a smaller bookstore in the mall. And my mom was an avid reader. She read a lot. And so she went to the back to uh, to go find a book to read and, or, you know, to look for books. And they had this magazine rack and it was long. And uh, in the top left-hand corner were the pornographic magazines closer to the counter where you check out. And so as my mom goes to find a, a, a book to, to, to buy or whatever, I, I camp out in front of the, the magazine section and uh, pretend that I'm interested in the magazines directly around that section. And I bided my time until nobody was looking. And I hopped up and grabbed one and rolled it and walked to a more secluded area in the bookstore. And uh, I found a book that was larger than my magazine and slid it in there and was uh, looking at the, the pictures and whatever. And, uh, and I don't know if my mom came or if, she, if I heard her or, or if I saw her or whatever. I put the book down quickly, and, and my mom was interested that she, she was like, wow, he picked up a book. He's, he's going to read, you know. So she wanted to buy this book for me, whatever it is I'm reading. And she goes to pick up the book that I happen to have and opens the book up, and this magazine falls out. And, uh, oh man, my mom looked at me and, uh, and I, I instantly regretted what I had just done. And I remember my mom didn't say a word to me, never did, never said a word to me about it. She just looked at me and nodded, you know, with disapproval and, and, oh man, I was embarrassed. I was so embarrassed and so shamed at, at what, what I had done. Um, 
It was, I, I remember it because it was, it was, it was horrifying. The, the thing about Adam and Eve is that they were naked and they felt no shame. They were innocent. Maybe you saw something like I did. Maybe you experimented with somebody from the opposite sex. Maybe you experimented with somebody from the same sex. Somehow you lost your innocence. What seed of sexual shame has Satan planted in your life? Back to Adam and Eve, we know what happens. The serpent, Satan, comes to, uh, to Adam and Eve and, and he's, he's asking Eve a question. And uh, Adam was there and uh, he's, he's asking her, you know, well, what happens? You know, tell me about this, this fruit that, that you're not supposed to see or to touch. And, and Eve tells him, you know, well, we're not supposed to see or touch it. And uh, he somehow convinces uh, Eve Saying, you know what? Uh, here, you have it all wrong. Surely you're not going to die if you eat that fruit. Matter of fact, I think your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. Does that sound familiar? That's how Lucifer fell from the heavens because he thought he was God, just as powerful as God. Oh, you'll be, you'll be just like God. And uh, so somehow the serpent succeeds and and causes Eve's attention to be uh to to no longer care about the the permissible fruit and uh draws her attention and her focus to the forbidden fruit that she's not supposed to eat so they both eat they both eat the the forbidden fruit and uh we know that and and in chapter 3 verse 7 the bible we're going to pick up here and it says then their eyes were opened and they knew that they were what naked so what did they do they found fig leaves and, and made themselves some loincloths. In one moment, they're naked and they're shameful. And in the next moment, they're covering up because they're shameful. I, I may have said that wrong. In one moment, they're naked and shameless. And now they're covering up because they're naked and shameful. They're embarrassed of what, of what God's given them. The only two people on earth, they're walking around for who knows how long showing their, their good parts to each other. They don't care. And now they're uncomfortable and with their own nakedness and feel the need to, uh, to cover up. And uh, there's, a, there's a lot of things in life that we try to cover up. That's what we do in situations. In case you haven't noticed, we feel shame and we cover up. So what do they cover up with? Fig leaf. A fig leaf. You might think that, uh, that that's pretty smart and... Uh, I wasn't so convinced with that because I'd heard uh, that fig leaves have uh, thorns on them. And I was thinking, you know, well, that's not good. I, I wouldn't want to cover up with something with thorns. That'd be, uh, that's dangerous. So, of course, I, I did my research because I didn't, want to, I didn't want to tell you something that wasn't true. So I did my research on it, of course. And uh, I found out that fig leaves in this time and in this area, because I, I really couldn't find the, the thorns uh, I couldn't really find that that was true. I, I really wasn't definitive enough to me to, to know that it was true. So uh, I did find that the fig leaf, the common fig leaf, was a huge skin irritant. And uh, so either way, whether it had thorns or a skin irritant, uh, Adam and Eve were shameful. They were shamed. And they were embarrassed. So they felt the need to cover up with something that was painful and destructive. Verse 9 says, <clears throat> excuse me, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? 
And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I, and I hid myself. Notice Adam wasn't hiding because he, was, because he had uh, gone against God. Because he disobeyed. He wasn't hiding because, because he sinned. He was hiding because he was naked. And he was embarrassed. And he felt the need to cover up and hide behind something that was destructive and painful. That's what happens. Shame leads to wrong thinking and wrong thinking. It's not good. You don't, you don't see the world the way that God wants you to see it. Wrong thinking leads to wrong action and wrong action leads to destruction and pain. This is why you don't experience the intimacy that God purposed for you. I was caught one other time with a pornographic magazine. Uh, I was in fifth grade and, and uh, my stepdad came home from work and he had a penthouse magazine and he put it on the kitchen counter and uh, I didn't look at the magazine because he was standing there and I couldn't. Uh, but I, I knew what it was. And so years later, maybe two or three years later, my parents were away at work and I remembered that he had brought that magazine home one day. So I went looking through his drawers and I, at the bedside table, there was a, there was a drawer and, and I found it underneath some stuff. And for about a period of a year, I would pull the magazine out and, and read the articles. <laughs> no, really. Let me tell you something. I'd seen the pictures so many times that it didn't do anything for me anymore. So I, I read the articles because that's the way it is with pornography is it, it, it progresses. The, the thing that you first thought was, was exciting and thrilling is no longer thrilling and exciting. So you have to move on and do something dirtier or something more. And so they have this article in Penthouse Magazine called the Penthouse Forum, and I hope you don't know what it is. But what it was is uh, readers of the Penthouse Magazine would submit stories to Penthouse about their sexual escapades. And so I would read that and, and you know, f- found that exciting. How is that any different than the romance novels that some of you ladies like to read? You know, the ones with uh, the shirtless Fabio on the cover? The lady in the, the slip, the white slip with the, the, the strap hanging down, almost exposing herself on the cover? They're both means of, of sexual fantasy. It's the same thing. Pornography, looking at pictures or reading about something that gets you going in, in that fantasy sort of way. It's the same thing. My mother, of course, caught me with the magazine and, and uh, I, I don't remember how. Uh, I don't remember when. I just remember, uh, I remember the shame and the embarrassment of it because at this point in my life, I was trying desperately to witness to my mom about Jesus. I remember the shame involved because I knew I had blown my witness with my mom. I so desperately wanted her to get saved and for her to know Jesus the way I knew Jesus. And I blew it in my, in my eyes. I blew it with her. I have another question for you. And uh, I, I want to know what you're hiding behind. What painful and destructive thing are you hiding behind? Um... I forgot to mention, I, I skipped a part and I was, I was going to ask you again what the, what sexual, sh- I'm sorry, it's a tongue twister. What sexual shame has Satan planted in your life? Because I can remember those embarrassing moments in my life 
and being able to see some things that I shouldn't have been seeing. And I got married to my ex-wife and we had a hard time experiencing the intimacy that God purposed for us. And I think I can trace it back to that, to that seed of sexual shame in my life. So again, what are you hiding behind? What painful and destructive thing are you hiding behind? Let me tell you something. Many of you are hiding behind something because you don't like who you are or what you've become. You'd say, I'm a bad person. And there's, a, there's two different feelings that go along with that. The first one is guilt. Guilt says, uh, because of what I've seen or what's happened to me or what I've done, that I feel bad. And then you have shame. And shame says, because of what's happened to me, because of what I've done, I'm a bad person. I'm a bad person. Nobody could ever love me. If they knew who I really was, no one would ever love me, let alone like me. Shame, shame is shame is life-altering. Nobody could ever love me. I'm not worth it. So it causes you to hide behind something that causes pain and destruction. Many of you have allowed this to seep into your marriage where you've become relationally detached from each other. You hide out in your marriage behind something because you feel like your spouse, if they knew you, the real you, they could never love you. And you're going to get hurt. So you hide behind something. Maybe you're not married. Maybe you're, you're not married because you're hiding and you won't let anybody in close enough. You've set up unreasonable expectations for a spouse and you're, you're just going down the line going, you're not it. You're not it. You're not it. You've got man hands. You eat your, uh, your peas with a spoon and your corn niblets with a fork. And I can't handle that. That's inconsistent. Uh, you've got cankles. Uh, you're 2% man and I'm, I'm strictly skim. We put these unreasonable expectations, these, uh, righteous standards up. And, and you know what that is? That's a self-defense mechanism. It's a way to not let anybody in close enough. You're saying, you won't succeed with me. And uh, so you will intentionally or unintentionally sabotage your relationships. This makes me think of my ex-wife. And when I found out that she was having sex with another guy at the gym, Barbie, and uh, I, she, was, she was sitting on the, on the bed with me and she was telling me why she cheated on me. And she literally told me this, telling me why she cheated on me. She said, things are too perfect. And I couldn't handle that. Too perfect. I'm like, what kind of excuse is that? My ex-wife was, was very much a, 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 a negative person. And she liked drama. She, see, she seeked out that drama enough that when things were going too well, she had to stir it up because that's the way she was. She just couldn't handle it. What destructive and painful things are you hiding behind? Your self-defense mechanism will cause you to cheat. might cause you to, to criticize or to nag your partner until they leave you. That's how you do it. In case you didn't know, you nag until they leave you. And then when they leave you, that, that just justifies your feelings about yourself. I can't be loved. I'm not good enough. So maybe you place yourself in quick relationships, become a player. You put out. One of the lies that the devil tells us in this sex ed class is that 
the desires of our heart are evil. Here's what Jesus said, excuse me, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart, or there your heart will be also. Jesus is basically saying, whatever you pay attention to, that is where your heart will be. And that's where you'll find to be desiring. All of this, uh, all of us at, at times have desires that are, that are forbidden. Some of these desires are sexual. And we know that they're forbidden because it goes against God's word. Us lovers of God, we hate having those desires. Many of us have spent hours and hours uh, on our knees begging God for to, to change our hearts, to give us a new one. And yet we continue to have those desires and at times acting out on those desires. No matter how many times we've promised God or made covenants with God, we fall back into the same things. Satan would have you believe that, uh, that if you're a Christian and that if you have these forbidden desires, that you're evil. And uh, you need some spiritual heart surgery. You have the wrong heart. Your heart must be evil because you're having these unchrist-like desires. But let me remind you of Jesus' word, Matthew chapter 6, 21 again. For where your treasure is, or where your attention is, your focus, that's where your heart will be. It's not the other way around. It's not where your heart will be. That's where your treasure and your focus or attention. Your forbidden desires don't stem from your heart. This is on your listening guide. You desire to do wrong things because you're focused on wrong things. Let me give you an example. Uh, I never wanted a motorcycle. I, uh, my desires were on other things. I was perfectly fine on four wheels. And, uh, you know, it, it really, I, I didn't grow up around motorcycles. It wasn't in my mind. And uh, I desired completely other things. And uh, I went 30 years without ever, ever even thinking about riding a motorcycle. And then my brother and sister's dad, who, who lives in Jacksonville, he, uh, he's kind of like a stepdad to me. And uh, he's been there my whole life. He got one of those big bikes, the, the Goldwing, you know, the, the bikes that have like everything on it. You know, it's like got air conditioning and uh, kitchen sinks. You can wash your hands in case your hands get dirty riding. You know, it's got everything on it. And, uh, you know, I, that's not my kind of bike, but uh, I, I went and saw the bike and uh, he wanted me to ride with him, you know, get a motorcycle so I could ride with him. And uh, so I, I saw this bike and... Uh, and I was like, oh, that's, you know, it's not my kind of bike, but that's kind of cool. And, and then I got on the bike and, and uh, I, I rode the, the back seat. Uh, we won't call it any, anything else. And uh, rode with him on the, on the road and I felt that freedom of, of not being caged in. And again, like I said, I, I, didn't, I didn't desire to, to have a bike before then. And, and then within a couple of months, I became bike crazy. I, man, I wanted a motorcycle. And then just about at that point in time, uh, Wes and, and Doug and I, we filmed a video for the church and we got to go to H&W Honda and, uh, and film riding on the motorcycle. I hope you've seen the video because that's one of my favorites. <clears throat> I walk into H&W Honda and I'm looking at all these bikes and there's the bike of my dreams. The Honda Fury, it's a chopper, it's beautiful. I don't care what you say, Steve, it's beautiful. It's, uh, <laughs> my eyes were just locked on this bike and it's, 
And it's, oh, it's, it's awesome. And then I'd never ridden a bike on my own, you know, I'm just ridden in the back seat of it. And uh, so I, I got to actually ride the bike uh, in the parking lot around the deal. And I'm, I'm cautiously going around the corners and, and uh, being careful because I'd never really ridden. And, and uh, so I rode and I was, oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. And then somehow we screwed up the video, so we had to go redo that whole thing. So we got to go back to H&W Honda and film a second time, and I got to ride it around again. And, and uh, oh, man, my, my thoughts and desires were, were on that, that bike. But I knew better. I knew. I was like, God, I hope, I hope you're the one that's planted this desire in my heart. But I knew better because I couldn't afford it. And, and uh, you know, I, I know God to, to want me to, to desire other things. And so I was knowing uh, that it really wasn't him. And, uh, but when you know that the more that I looked at bikes, the more that I read about bikes, the more my heart said, Oh, I want a bike. I want a bike bad. And the more I tried to convince Doug to get a bike with me <laughs> so we could, so we could ride together. And, uh, that's what, that's what it, that's the way it works. Um, when you desire wrong things, don't assume that your heart led you astray. Your focus did. That's, that's why the nature of sexual temptation is the way that it is. In sexual temptation, Satan tries to get our complete attention as much as possible because he knows if he can get your attention and your focus, he's got a shot at your heart. So what can we learn from Matthew chapter 6, 21? We can learn to limit our focus on the things not of God. You want to improve the intimacy of your marriage? Put the focus back on your spouse. Man, I'm telling you, when I am focused and uh, my attention is on my wife, whoo, there's some love in there. <laughs> Seriously. If I can, if, uh, if I desire my wife like nothing before, I can do that by, uh, by focusing on her. Um, I, I've mentioned this before, but a lot of us guys get together for UFC fights every month. And there's a lot of eye shifting when you watch UFC because uh, between rounds, uh, there's ring girls that come up in, in, uh, in uh, bikinis. And uh, there's eye shifting. If you look at Doug and Khalib over here, when those ring girls come on the screen, their eyes go like this to each other. They shift their eyes because their focus and their attention is not to be on those girls. Their focus and attention is on each other. And that's a testament to their hearts. Ladies, having sex with your, uh, with your guy friend, it doesn't mean he loves you. It means you're focused on, on the wrong things. You're focused on security and love, and he's focused on relieving that, that physical, that physical uh, need, that desire. You're replacing sexual intimacy with the act of having sex. And it's not the same thing. I want to close with this. We spent a good amount of time talking about shame. And what we saw was that Adam and Eve were covering up that shame and hiding behind something that was destructive and painful. Here's the good news. Jesus came and he offered to take our fig leaves away and replace them with new clothing. His covering. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 says, For all of you who were baptized into Christ 
have clothed yourself in Christ. You can have another covering. You don't have to feel shame any longer. The Bible says that we can confess our sins to one another and come out of hiding. We can confess our sins to God and know that we're forgiven. God wants to forgive you. He wants to cover you in his, in his clothing. He wants to make sex intimate between you and your spouse. God's interested in your focus and your attention because he wants all of you. He wants you completely. You ever wonder why Jesus performed so many miracles while he was here on earth? Because you perform miracles and people are going to watch. You're going to grab their attention. A year ago, last Labor Day, we had an illusionist here at the church and he did some tricks and and had a message. And uh, I sat in the audience like most of you or some of you and, uh, and I watched him do his tricks and, and I was like, man, either this guy's horrible or, uh, or I can see right through his tricks. My attention, my focus was so, so intent. And uh, that's, that's why Jesus performed miracles so that people would watch and they would be focused on him. So let's, let's refocus our attention. Let's put the focus back on our spouses and experience true good and godly intimacy with them. Men, let's go all out in our love for our wife and love them like Christ loved the church by giving and not getting. Let's evoke their beauty with our words. Women, encourage your man with, and respect him and watch him flourish as the leader of your house. Can we do that? Let's pray. Father, we're tired of hiding. We're tired of covering up with pain and destruction. We're tired of experiencing, not experiencing true good and, and godly intimacy with our spouses. You said in your word that you would provide us clothing and that we could clothe ourselves in, in you. We ask you now to clothe us, to bring us out of hiding. Let us enjoy true intimacy, the way you purpose for us to experience. Father, we declare that we have a new focus and our attention is on you. Clothe us with, with godly desires. Help us see you. Give us the strength to carry on and do your will. Amen.